Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Bit of an interesting one-off podcast. We're joined by Michael Wood and Will Wood, who are cousins who are also Harlequins fans and host their podcast. Go on, Will. You can plug the socials, mate. That's your modem. <laughs> so uh, our podcast is called A Harlequins Pod. Um, and our, our nickname is Two Woods and Four Quarters. So go check us out at Harlequins Pod on, on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also watch our episodes on, on YouTube as well. Um, as always, joined by Ian Joseph. I guess the first question we've got is, how's your season going so far? And how do you see it panning out for the rest of the year? I'll go first on this one. Um, it's been a bit of a crazy season down in Southwest London, to be honest. Um, we started out with high hopes and plenty of promise. Uh, which was quickly shut away in the first game of the season by by Exeter. Um, losing our head coach fairly early doors as well. Um, left a lot of uncertainty around our, our season. But since then, it's been, been a different club, really. It's been um, sort of worryingly exciting. We don't want to get carried away, but we're, we're four on a bounce now, five undefeated if you throw in the draw with London Irish as well. Um, we, we've hit a real run of form and the, the premiership so competitive this year. It's so tight. As soon as you get a bit of momentum, you can see yourself start to stretch ahead. So long may that continue, but uh, very, very happy with where we are. Yeah, I mean, it's um, we're miles away from where I obviously thought we'd be. We started it with a, you know, a tough loss against Exeter, they, who were two weeks off the back of a European and premiership double. So, you know, they were flying high and obviously the quality outfit they are. And then we just had a bit of a, a bit of a sort of slow start. I mean, that draw against London Irish was tough. Um, obviously, we lost at home to Bristol. Um, and then something happens, a coach leaves, a change in whatever it is, and suddenly we're, we're flying. I mean, we're four from four, um, undefeated in five, as we all said, after, after the London Irish game. And, you know, things are clicking for us at the minute. We're playing with pace. We're playing with freedom. We're playing with that. It's a really easy sort of cliche term that Quinns fans like to throw about. We're, we're playing the Quinns way. We're throwing the ball around. We're beating teams, you know, without 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 fear. And I think we obviously had two big signings last year with Andre Hazen and and Will Colo, and they was I think what we needed at the time. They've put their their stamp on it, you know, that real sort of South African grit and and physicality. And um, obviously it, it it tailed off in Joe March's performance at thirteen, having Andre at twelve. But he obviously had a brilliant day yesterday, and you know our, our set piece looks dominant with the likes of Joe Marler and with the likes of Wilco Lowe and Stefan Luis and, and Matt Simons, a, a really sort of grunty sort of blokes in the engine room. And we've been so lucky with the development of of Will Evans, and it's all sort of come together in the last four weeks. I'm not quite sure. Obviously, none of us are quite sure why that happened. Obviously, with the the departure of Gusted, but yeah, we're we're looking in a, in a pretty good spot at the minute. Yeah, so I mean, I've actually watched quite a few of your games this season it's exactly as you say so far it's really been a season of sort of downs and then ups um again as you said you've fallen the bounce so i think what a lot what our listeners would really like to know is coming into obviously the game at kingston park um what are your strengths and weaknesses what do you think is really going to threaten us where do you think we can sort of have a go at you and how do you think it's going to pan out really yeah it's an interesting one we're obviously very strong in attack um the the last four games that we've won we've got two bonus point wins in there and then the other two we got three tries so we weren't far off so we're obviously very strong in attack with with Marcus pulling the strings and I don't think I mean this is obviously very uh, very biased but I'm not sure there's a better 8, 9, 10 combo in Premiership Rugby than Don Brandt, Karen Smith at the minute perhaps you could look at Exeter, Exeter but um, we're, we're definitely up there so obviously our attack's very strong um, one thing I've noticed in our defence it, it was very very poor at the start of the season 
Um, and interestingly, when your head coach, who used to be England defence coach, departs, it seems to improve slightly, which is a, a weird thing to understand. But Jerry Flannery's come in and uh, and picked that one up in, in Gustard's absence. And it, he seems to have brought quite a bit of energy to it. We're, we're getting up in the line, as you said, that you your boys do as well. Um, trying to strip the ball in the contact as well and, and play on the counter when everything's disrupted. So that's an area where I think it it could be quite good for us. That unstructured attack is where we thrive. Having said that, I don't think it will be that kind of game when we play you. I think it will be very tight and we'll need to be more considered and, and kind of squeeze the game a little bit more, which is something we haven't done recently or at all this season. So it'll be a new challenge for us. So I think we're in good shape, but it, it is, as I say, a very new challenge that perhaps we haven't encountered yet. Biggest turnaround aside from that in the last three or four weeks is our defensive intensity. I mean, you haven't got to look anywhere anywhere further than Will Evans. I mean, the, the impact that he's had on our game has been unbelievable in the last four games how well he's played and even yesterday when we played sale you know steals the ball on halfway isolated in the in, in the tackle isolated in, in the breakdown and then it's almost like a counter-attack you know you, you win the ball at the top in football you win the ball on the top of your box and bish bash bosh and we're down the other end and we've scores um and he yeah he's been he's been massive and i think our defensive work rate as a whole has been good obviously like i said in um in an earlier sort of episode a few weeks ago is that we've got three fullbacks almost playing in our back three at the minute so teams don't often kick deep to us to because we're, we're so strong there and um, we've been really lucky with the likes of Lewis Liner coming through and obviously Andre Esterhazen's getting his front foot ball so at the minute we're looking like a pretty well-rounded side and obviously we've not had we've not had a really tough away trip like we will come up um, come up with next week down at Kingston Park so that's going to be um, it's going to be tough but it's weird now we're going into games with a bit of confidence and obviously it's a massive massive day up there on the road but it's uh, it should be a good one to watch I'm hoping so anyway Yeah you've thrown a few names at us in that last um couple of minutes. Uh, there's the obvious ones that we all know, like your Cares, your Marcus Smiths, uh, Mike Browns and Marlers. But um, are there any players that maybe don't get the same sort of press coverage that we need to watch out for, or players that you see coming through the ranks and maybe whichever week might be the one that they, they break into the kind of the first team or in a couple of years time they'll be the the next uh, generation of that sort of quality yeah for sure as you say Marcus is in the in the spotlight all the time and so is Don Brandt um I think a real breakthrough player for us this year has been Lewis Liner on the wing um he obviously got that intercept score versus Wasps and nearly got another one and he's looked really assured for such a young player so um he, he tends to beat the first man on the wing every single time so he'd probably be one to watch um the two other names I'd throw out there, the first one's probably been documented a little bit more recently is Will Evans. He's he's played phenomenally well um, over the ball. He he gets several steals a game. His work rate around the pitch. We compared him to to Robshaw in our last episode in the fact that he's a workhorse and he'll just get about the pitch from minute one to minute eighty, um, going about his business. Um, I think he picked up a knock the other day against Sale, so I'm not sure he'll be in the team for you lot to to worry about. And then the final name I'll put out there, which perhaps you haven't heard so much, is, is Archie White, who's had to fill in at six with with James Chisholm injured the last few weeks, and he's been top class as well. Um, a young English flanker, which is, is doing a real job for us, so he's worth keeping an eye on as well. And then the other one that I'll throw out there in our end room is Matt Simons. Um, we look back on the glory days of our premiership win in 2012 of... George Robson and Ollie Cohn and obviously we were lucky to have a player like James Hall for a few years after that but I think this combination of Simons and Levis is probably the best back row combination we uh, best second row combination that we've had in 
a couple of years. They're, they're unbelievable. And Matt Simon's obviously 50, 50 games to the club, was it last weekend or a couple of weeks ago? Just such a workhorse, such a grinder. And he just does all the things that are really horrible things to do. He's, you know, getting in the middle of malls and he's making tackles and his lineout works great. So I think, um, you know, that real hard-nosed part of our game is something that we've uh, we've really improved the last few weeks. If we were to come up to you tomorrow and, and play, what kind of weather would you be looking for? What kind of style of play would, would you expect to, to get one over on us? I think given the overall team, um, I think I'd love it to be as cold and horrible as possible. Um, just because your strengths seem to be, at the minute, kind of the, the nice, attractive-looking rugby. We all know that when the weather's horrible, that doesn't happen so much. The artificial pitch is actually quite a, a big thing as well. Um, in, the, in the past, um, when it's windy, the, you kick the ball high, and as soon as it gets above the level of the stadium roof, it just goes horizontally in the air. And there's a lot of times you'll see a fullback lining it up and then there's a massive gust of wind. And on the artificial pitch, you know what it's like. It just bounces all over the place. What was the chat around the artificial pitch like? I know that when Saracens started playing at Allianz Park, there was a bit of chat around players liking the surface or not enjoying it and had issues on with it scrummaging. What's been the general feedback of it? That's actually something I'm quite interested in. Um, so I think generally it's been very positive. I mean, the reason they did it wasn't so much rugby reasons in terms of playing in terms of the players or what they wanted from it. It was due to the fact that we also now share with Newcastle Thunder, the rugby league team. And the idea was that local clubs could play on the pitch as well. I mean, I've played on the pitch a couple of times uh, for local club up here. Um, and I've, generally, I've, I think it's fairly well received because... You know, obviously it's well documented, the weather isn't great. Um, and I think it, it didn't really help anyone, the state, the pitch sometimes, because the one of the main factors is the wind up there, not necessarily serving the state of the pitch or the temperature as such, even though I'm sure that maybe does have a factor of some back's hands, but it's always been the wind and you still have that element of the wind, obviously, even with the plastic pitch. But I think generally it does help because it does obviously make the game flow more freely. Um, I've, I've Personally, I think I would quite like to see more teams have plastic pitches. I think it does speed up the game. I think it does make the game actually better to watch. Um, me, I've played on various plastic pitches. Um, I've, my, my background is I've basically played every position except fly half. But I found that when I've played centre on the wing, um, I quite enjoyed it. You get a lot more grip. You don't fall over as much. It's a lot quicker game. But when I was playing wing forward or sometimes hooker, um, I really didn't like it. I found that the impact on joints was quite unpleasant. Um, you end up coughing out bits of shredded car tyre for several days after a match. It kind of burns your skin off and you get tomorrow blisters, which is just a bit unpleasant. But um, one of the main things I find that um, sometimes your studs kind of get a bit locked in it. It's not like mud where it kind of slides if you're going over and your, your studs kind of hoik out a, a sod of earth and it's fine. If you get your feet planted in the wrong way, you can end up gripping too much. So I, when I played in it, I had a separate set of boots that kind of had really small moulded studs in it, as opposed to your traditional uh, rugby metal studs. Um, it's a weird one, actually, because I, as I'm a teacher, obviously, down in South West London, and as some of our after school clubs, we use, I don't know if you boys have heard of it, you probably haven't, um, Grasshopper's Rugby Club in Isleworth. Um, they used to be on the same ground as Sky Sports and um, the... Um, the ground's got taken over and the, the pitch has got re, resurfaced and it's one of the best 4G pitches, I think, 
I think I'm right in saying in the country. And uh, it's a, it's amazing surface to play to I me. Mean, obviously, I'm, I'm saying, you know, kicking rugby balls at kids. But, um, you know, I don't know what that's like in terms of the contact. And it's interesting hearing about, you know, the you know blisters and difficult for scrummaging and difficult for the backs and forwards. That's quite an interesting thing to talk about, I reckon. Um, actually, I'll second that. I played, a, I used to play for Hampstead down there and I played against Grasshopper a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, I said to people at the time, and I, I, it was only a year or two ago, so it's probably still the case. It was the best amateur rugby club in terms of facilities I've ever seen. It was as good, it was better than a lot of Premiership teams, uh, seriously. Um, and as I said, I played on the Kingston Park pitch, and Philip is right with a lot of the negatives of that. You're, you know, you do find bits of plastic all over you for several days after, and it isn't nice on the joints. You do get the burns, but that that pitch at Grasshoppers was absolutely superb. Um, it was it was better than playing on grass. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. It, it does kind of depend sort of what there are various varying qualities, I think, no matter where you go. But you're right in terms of grasshoppers, well, it's absolutely superb. I think it'll actually suit your guys more than us. Um, in the past, if we wind it back 10 or 15 years when we kind of had a lot of England internationals in the centres and the backs, um, it would have been fantastic for us to play on that pitch there when we had kind of Matthew Tate, Jamie Noon, Toby Flood, Johnny Wilkinson, Matt Burke, that era. But I think that now our strengths lie in the, the pack um, and we, we've got some speedsters on the wings, but it's kind of getting the ball to them that's a bit of an issue. And yeah, I think that one day we'll end up with that sort of calibre of backs again. And at that point in time, it will really be beneficial and great home advantage. But I think right now it might almost be better if we played in a mud bath every week. Yeah, for sure. It definitely benefits us uh, in the way that we play. And uh, I've played in a few of them and the surface is obviously quite a bit harder. So that kicking game is important and actually taking the ball in the air as opposed to letting it bounce because then it really is bedlam. Um, I think our boys won't be too alien to it because down at SSP, Surrey Sports Park, where they train, there is actually uh, an AstroTurf there, which they train on fairly frequently. Um, and I imagine they'll be doing it even more so, knowing that they'll be on a 4G pitch at the at the weekend. So I'm not sure it'll be too much of um. Well, I was going to say it'd be too much of an advantage to you having played on it week in week out, having played on it week in week out. But um, I think our boys will be prepared, and and actually the the harder surface probably does benefit us. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Premiership rugby player, you've played all sorts of services and. There's, we're not the only team, of course, to have the, the 4G pitch. So, you know, you, you're going to be used to it. And as you say, Harlequins train on it. I'm sure the clubs train on it at least fairly regularly. So I don't think it's going to be a problem, as Philip says, actually. Um, I guess it probably will help you more. Um, I'm not sure when they laid the plastic pitch, whether the idea was some days, sometime, you know, we'll get really quality bats because I've always thought with us, we've never quite got the balance right. It's always we have really good forwards and pull backs and, and vice versa. Um, but there is a question I do want to ask you, which um, changing the topic slightly is something that's gained a lot of traction up here is a particularly exciting new story about Mike Brown. Um, so obviously a lot of excitement to hear about that. Uh, I guess, what's your view on that? I'll go first because I know what Mike's view is going to be. Um, when I first read the rumours um, from a fairly valid source in the rugby paper, so that it, they don't tend to be too wrong, um, I was a little bit torn because we, we are going through a changing of the guard at Quinns and it's time to blood our, our younger players and the spine is changing. 
Um, but I still think he's got a massive role to play with the club in terms of nurturing that talent. And you think about the younger players we've got coming through with, with Merley and, and Liner on the, on the wings, who Liner can also play fullback. In fact, I think his, his dad, Michael, came out saying that it's his preferred position anyway. Um, but he's still so young. I'm not sure his age. I think he's 19, 20. So he's got a lot of learning to do and what better person to learn from than Mike Brown. So I'd rather he was down here doing that with our squad than, than going up and nurturing your young boys. Nah, he, he's not going anywhere. He's got his own bar now. He's not, he's not leaving. He, he wants to finish his career at the stoop and he wants to sit there and nurture the young boys and get a tie on and drink in his own bar. He's not going anywhere. He's 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 rooted in southwest London, I hope anyway. No, he's uh he's he's my favourite queen of all time. I'll be absolutely devastated if he went anywhere. Following on from that, um we've got a couple of other other players like uh, Sam Stewart and Tom Penny. Um how how were they when they were at Harlequins? Do you think that they've uh players that have kind of always got the potential and they'll probably go on or do you reckon they've kind of they're, they're as good as they'll get at the minute how, how have they progressed over the last few years that you've seen them see Tom Penny was an interesting one actually because when he signed for us we were absolutely hampered with injuries in the centre I mean we had um, the likes of Luke Northmore got injured Ben Tapawai was injured Joe Marchant I think at the time was away with um, uh, Auckland in, in, in Super Rugby um, we were just we were all over the place in in, in the centres, so it was a bit of a, a stopgap at the time. But he actually did a really good job, I thought. And obviously, he end, you know ended up getting injured himself. But he um, he played at thirteen a couple of times with Paul Aziki and the American inside him. And I was actually really pleased the way he played for a little bit. I thought there was a time where he might have made that move permanent and then obviously we had a big signing in in Andre Esterhazen in, in the centres and then obviously Marching comes back from New Zealand um, along with the likes of you know Tapawai and etc but no I, I really liked Tom Penny I mean he didn't he didn't shine any of the games but it wasn't I wasn't thinking oh I don't know Tom Penny's playing at 13 this weekend you know it's, that's going to be a really easy option in, 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 in attack for people I, I quite like the way he played yeah, no, I'll echo that. He came in at a time when we were we were a little bit stretched, weren't we? And to be honest, I didn't know much about him when we, we first got him in. And he was a solid player. Um, he did his job and um, he, he was useful. He was an asset to the team, effectively. So um, fond memories of him. I think um, in terms of his development, he's he's what, late 20s now? He should be sort of in the peak of his career. So um, I still think he's got improvements to make. And I think... Uh, He'll be wanting to get one up on his old teammates this weekend. Um, I know there's quite a lot of young blood in our team now, but I'm sure he'll be familiar with most of them. And then on, on the Sam Stewart front, um, obviously he's been playing under study to England's national uh, care for so long. Um, do you think he left to get more rugby opportunity or do you think he just wasn't quite right for Harlequins? Or what? Well, I've been really impressed with him this season. He's got he's get very quick ball. He's kind of an annoying little snipey scrum half. And I think he's kind of, what a lot of scrum halves lack in the modern game, which is kind of having the natural sort of wherewithal to read a situation and play off the cuff a bit. Yeah, I think you, I think you touched on it there. As you say, he's, he's quite sort of snipey and nimble. And, and in that aspect, he's very similar to Danny Kerr. And I think because of that, he was never going to dislodge him. I think uh, at the time we had people like Charlie Mulcrone as well, who's kind of a, an alternative scrum half to Danny in terms of his control of the game and his kicking game. Um, so I think... He, he had a sort of a, an uphill task trying to break into that team because he was kind of a, a replica of Danny, but but not the not the full not the finished article. So, um, and if you're going to pick a match day 23, you probably want that um, point of difference in your scrum halves, one to to have the energy and, and bring the tempo, and then the other one to sort of shut out the game and keep control. So, um, I think he had to make that move. Yeah, head to head, if you had to line up the two teams, um, 
which are the positions where you think maybe we might have an edge on you or if there's any particular players that you'd want in your start of 15 over hours, um, where, where would be those ones that you'd pick out and say, yeah, we want that player or... So we actually spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. We were picking players that we would sign in a sort of hypothetical sense to fit into the way that we play or fit into our club. And I don't think there's many, if I'm being completely honest, that I would pick one-on-one um, over sort of our players. I think, especially four-wise at the minute, we're, we're, we're going pretty well. But one player that I definitely would like is to sign, and maybe not this specific player, but someone like Toby Floods, you know, if we, we, we do lack a bit of depth at 10, obviously we've now just signed Marcus Smith at, you know, for a new contract. And we have got Brett Heron, who's come out of the championship with Jersey and got a bit rubby last year. But if an injury happened, lo and behold to Marcus, or we you know, got some international duty, that sort of older heads in, at 10 controlling the game would add a, bit, a different dimension to us. And I think Toby Flood's a guy that has done phenomenally well across his career. And obviously he's, obviously he's injured now and is playing some really, was, was playing some really good rugby. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But, I think, like you say, the likes of Luther Burrell as well, getting that front foot ball. He's a very similar player to Andre Esterhazen. And, um, you know, that that's an interesting battle. We, we probably won't see with Burrell's injury as well. But then also, you know, Mark Wilson in the back row, he's, he just makes tackles for fun. He eats people. And that physical presence is a different edge to what we've got at the minute with uh, with Will Evans and, and Don Brandt and Archie White. But, yeah, having Mark Wilson on in, in the in the blind side, just crunching people and making tackles, he's a little bit like one of our favourite players of the past in uh, Maori Fossavalu, that real sort of, you know, machine in the tackle. I think he'd be, um, he'd be a good fit probably for any premiership club, I thought. So has um, Smith played 80 minutes every game this season or have you had any situations where he's gone off for an injury or not played for whatever reason? How have you looked when he's not been playing? Yeah, we had, um, he took a head knock against Bath two weeks ago, um, sort of 20, 25 minutes in. It was a cut to the head. It wasn't uh, an HIA or anything, um, but it was enough of a cut to, to keep him out for the rest of the game. Um, at which point we brought James Lang on, who's obviously very established, Scotland international now. Um, but he's leaving us next season. He's off to Edinburgh, um, probably because he's he's not really nailed down a position. He can play 10, 12 or 13, um, a bit of a, a utility back. Um, so he's been great for us from the bench. But when you want to be a Scotland international, you need to be starting every week. So, so he's off. Um, and I actually echo Mike's view there of a, a Toby Flood would be great to, to play second string. I think about some of the best um, sort of pairings of fly half. You think about when Farrell went off with England and, and Saracens would have Charlie Hodgson step in. Um, that wasn't a bad duo of fly halves. And and you think about Wasps at the minute as well with, with Umango. And if he's ever in the England squad, Jimmy Gopperth very comfortably steps in. So I think Flood would be a nice one for us to have in the squad. But um, the man I'm actually most excited about isn't actually with you anymore. I'm not really sure what happened to him, but Sinotti Sinotti was just unbelievable, uh, particularly on your pitch as well. So I'm not really sure what happened. What happened with him in the end? They never really gave it. it was Well, it was given as personal reasons as to why he left. Uh, mm. So he was, by all purposes, he was going to be part of the squad this season. And then just all of a sudden he said personal reasons, whatever they are, obviously it wasn't expanded on he left i'm not sure if he's found a, a club yet but um i mean we, we actually discussed this now podcast a couple of weeks ago in terms of because we thought he would obviously be really important for us coming into the premiership but actually yeah. in the championship last season he only scored maybe about three four tries he never really sort of hit form at all and you would expect at that level he'd be almost scoring for fun and i think it was maybe just a year too much um, even the relegation season, you saw it wasn't quite the same. I know the team wasn't playing as well, but I think age maybe have caught up him, especially that type of player who does rely on 
sort of breakneck speed off the go on the go. Um, and it just, I think, uh, yeah, I think just age caught up with him. And, um, and in a way, it's so we again we discussed it. It's been a blessing in disguise because we've had, for example, Radwan has come through. Stevenson, uh, Radwan especially, has been a lot of press who, who has got a lot of press. Sorry, and he he's a real threat for us. If you give him a couple of inches of space, he's gone. Um, I mean, it was there were lots of excitement over what he did with Johnny May a few weeks ago, sort of turned him yeah. inside out. Um, and yeah, he has that potential. And the thing is, if Sonotti was still playing, or the pressure of Sonotti to kind of start him, Radwell may have not have had that opportunity. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if Philip knows any more, but I'm not sure anyone knows kind of where he is at the moment, or he's just taking a break from the game, or he's trying to find some sort of lucrative contract in France or something. I, I don't know, really. So there were a couple of rumours that um, when all your uh, players for England and whatnot with the Barbarians game... Um, kind of a lot of players had to pull out. There was a rumour that he was called up um, to fill in at the Barbarians. And we're not quite sure what happened, but he, Ian saw it, I didn't. There was a social media thing that basically he said he was pretty gutted he wasn't playing. Um, and then within a fortnight, he'd left the club for personal reasons. Um, it was one of the ones where it was personal reasons, everyone wished him well, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, my family's fine. So you don't really know what's going on. But then he had a training session with Worcester a few weeks ago which is a bit strange because why would you end up with a training session at Worcester if it's personal reasons? Just didn't quite stack up. And then I think he's gone back to Australia now. Um, and I don't know whether he's trying to match up with any clubs there, but if we're honest, he's in his mid-30s now. His game is largely based around a lightning pace over 20 yards and a good step. I'd say he's still got a very good step, but he doesn't quite have that lightning pace over 20 yards anymore. And, is he going to be playing the top, top levels in Australia? I really hope so for the good of the game and also just for him on a personal level because he's a, he's a really good good guy. He helped out with food banks and stuff um, when there's the coronavirus pandemic. He was doing all sorts of like charity activities and he's a really good player and he'd be sorely missed for the region. But um, in terms of our best wingers, I'm not sure he'd be one of our starting two this year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a funny one and I guess it's one of those things where at some point, someone might let it cut out the bag. But right now, I think it's one of those ones we just kind of got to all kind of, if it was personal reasons, just respect them and hope all the best for him. I wonder whether uh, Worcester were looking at him at the same time they were thinking about signing Chris Ashton. Obviously, he's uh, he's left us a move there. I mean, I'll be honest, we, we Will and I spoke about it. We were not glad to be rid of him. That's probably a bit of a harsh, a harsh thing to say, but it I wasn't... Was. Well, yeah, there you go. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a big loss for us. I mean, you know, he signed in about a year or so ago for whatever reason. It didn't pan out, and he he left. I wonder whether there was. Um, I wonder whether in there in the bullpen at uh, Worcester they had you know targets on the wall, and it was Snotty, Snotty, or Ashton, and there was big red rings drawn around one of them. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder, wonder how that panned out. Yeah, it's it's funny actually. You talk about Snotty, Snotty there, and he, he shaped his game on obviously agility and having that speed of speed of footwork. Um, we actually took one of your players in, in Veroniki Gonover as well. Um, he had an unbelievable season with you as well. He was, I think he was top try scorer. He was very much up there and we signed him and we were incredibly excited by what he could do down at the stoop. And he just, he barely got a game. I don't know if it was injuries or whether it was just competition, but I think, as you say, with, with Snotty Snotty, I think it might have caught up with, with Nicky as well. I don't know. He's, he's obviously in his late thirties now, um, but he never really got a run of games. And he was one of those players that we were, you get so hyped up about and so excited and then it almost turns out that they're a bit of a flop because it, they just didn't get close to your expectations. Um, so interesting that, uh, that, that those two players seem to have left at around a similar time. It's interesting, Rugby, because 
it's not like football where players play for a club for two or three years and move on. You quite often find that players play from their kind of early to mid-20s through until maybe two or three years before the end of their career for the same club. I'm not sure whether it's the salary cap means that other clubs don't have the capacity to give what the player wants or people are, there's just not as much money involved. People make moves for different reasons, but quite often you find that a player shifts two or three years before the end of their contract and just kind of peters out and they don't necessarily go on a high. Mike Brown could be a perfect example of that. If he does come to us, I hope that he plays two or three good seasons for us. But if you look at the age of players, when they tend to move towards the end of their careers, they definitely move and then peter out. It's not like they have a final flourish and are wonderful and then stop. It's, it's an interesting one. And um, yeah, I guess there's economics, physical well-being, age and everything else. I'd like to just caveat all of that again by saying, Brownie, if you're listening, please don't go anywhere because I'm missing <laughs> too much. But uh, no, the, um, the the Gulliver one's an interesting one. I think, obviously, I, I live... Well, I, last year when he was here, I lived about 10 minutes from the ground. So I used to go down to the club on a Monday night and watch the Prem Cup games. And he played, I think, the, the closest I got to see him in the Quinn's jersey, he played about 20 minutes in a Monday night game. I can't remember who it was against, but it was a freezing cold Monday night in a, in a Prem Cup game. And I was sat there with a with a beer and a mate. And I thought, I've, I didn't realise Gulliver was playing. That was one of our sort of high-profile signings in the last sort of, you know, couple of years and we were obviously quite excited about what he could potentially have bought but it didn't, uh, didn't quite pan out unfortunately Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier on that you kind of wouldn't really replace any of your start on 15 without a start on 15 so I guess if we move on to the, the match next week um, how do you see it panning out and how, what sort of uh, final score do you think is on the cards? I think as we touched on earlier it largely depends, depends on the weather um, and the conditions that we're faced with we're We've been blessed with some some decent sunshine the last few weeks when we've played. Um, and obviously we've been running in the tries, so that suits us down to a T. I think the hard surface and the, the 4G suits us as well. So, uh, And given the form that we're on, I can't look past the Quinn's win. Um, the scoreline, I don't think we'll get four tries. I don't think it'll be a bonus point win. I think your boys will provide a different challenge to what we've faced so far. I think it'll be a gritty performance. We'll have to play a different kind of style to, to what's got us the points in previous weeks. So I'm excited to see if the boys are up to it. I'm sure they are. Um, but it, it's one of those ones, as a Quinns fan, you don't know what Quinns you're going to get. And weirdly enough, we've got the same Quinns four weeks in a row, which is unheard of. So I'm almost sort of waiting for that game where we, we get the old Quinns. Um, I think we'll win if it's a dry day with sort of not too much wind. I think I actually think on our 4G we will get four tries, but um, we're in February. I I don't think it'll be too glam. So I, I'd say I think we'll win sort of 24 points to nine. I don't think you'll get a try. I think you're totally wrong, Will. We're going to go up there. We're going to put five tries past you, boys, and we're going to we're going to romp home with a, with five on the spin. It's you know we're getting into spring now. It's going to be a sunny day out there on the in the northeast and. Uh, you know, there might be a couple of changes, obviously, with the kind of injuries that we've got with, with Evans probably injured. Um, I think that's the only major one, but no, I'm confident. I mean, like, like I say, we're um, we, we're just we're just playing with a bit of freedom now. I mean, you know, it's a tough place to go and play. Everyone in the Premiership knows that. No, nobody likes going to Newcastle. It's probably one of the reasons that you boys you know, traditionally do well at home. But no, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. And it's weird going into games now with a bit of confidence. You know, I want us to keep beating teams of but the one thing I am conscious of is that we have to close the game out if we get ahead. I don't know how much you boys have watched of us over the last three or four weeks, but obviously against Sale, we started slowly. And it was a very attritional sort of first 20 minutes. But then after we, you know, we found our, we, we went through the gears a little bit. In the second half, it's almost 
slowed down, but I, I just want us to, you know, get that first draft to half time if we're in a position to do so and then kill the game. You know, we, we let, um, although yesterday I don't think Sell, maybe at one point they were, were, were close to getting back in the game. I don't think Leicester were close ish, Bath were close ish, Wasp, I think we won fairly convincingly, but we've we just opened the door for teams slightly in the second half. And I'd like us just to go up there and 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 put three or four on you boys, you know, obviously to your your your, your detriment. But no, I, um, I'm I'm feeling confident, and I'm going to go. Let's say thirty. We would put forty up on the board quite regularly. Let's say let's say thirty-eight, and I reckon you'll get at least one. Thirty-eight, twelve. I'm going for thirty-eight, twelve quins. Oh well, it'll be good. Good one for the neutral then. Um, yeah. uh, do you know what your guys' travel plans is? Uh, because traditionally teams have either flown up during the day or stayed a night before and then all gone on the lash after the game and then travelled down the next day with a hangover. But um, with the current coronavirus situation, um, I'm not sure they'll necessarily be able to stay in any, any hotels, whether they're getting a bus up in the morning at the early start and they'll be kind of stiff legs from getting off the bus um, and then a very long journey home, hopefully after losing. Um, what, what's the plan or do you, do you not know? Uh, no, I don't know if Mike knows. I don't know the plan. Um, I imagine we'd fly. We usually fly up to to Newcastle. Um, so I would imagine we'd fly. It wouldn't be an overnight thing. Um, I think we rarely do overnight anyway, let alone now in COVID. Um, but I'm just speculating. I, I think it will probably be a flight up. And also professional athletes, I don't think they, they get jet lag these days, particularly when it's all around the UK. So I think our bodies will be fine if that's what you're getting at. I'm hoping that... It'll be an early flight, and I know the few of the boys will get around their coffees and Joe. They, you know, they'll all probably head out somewhere. Well, I'll probably head out nowhere. They'll probably have a hotel room in the morning and uh, and chill out, have some food, have a coffee, and then I, I assume fly back in the afternoon, um, late late in the afternoon after the game. I, I can't. I think like, I think Will's right in the current climate. I can't see him staying overnight anywhere and running that risk. So um, maybe it'll be off the flight and straight to the game almost, but um, rather than you know mixing a hotel or anything like that. But yeah, I think um, I think it'll be there and back in a day, which obviously makes it makes it a difficult prospect. And then um, rounding up the rest of the season, um, obviously we've both had kind of a tale of two halves. We started well and have tapered off recently. You kind of the other way around. You've mentioned your form. How long do you think it's going to last for? And ultimately, where do you think you're going to end up finishing? Well, I hope it's going to last at least one more week so we beat you boys. But um, <laughs> um, I it's so hard to to you know predict it. Like you know, you know, it's so hard to predict anything that Queens do. Um, but we all seem to be singing from the same hymn sheet at the minute, whether it's, you know, away wins at Wasps or home wins against Sale. We're, we're beating teams around us. We've beaten teams above us. Um, I think that Exeter and Bristol were still that much better than everyone else in the league. So maybe when we roll, when, when, when the time comes to, to play them again, it'll be quite a good uh, marker of where we actually are. But, you know, if we keep winning, and I think you know, Will makes a really good point. The, the best thing about us in the last few weeks, especially in terms of the team, has been the consistency. Um, I think we saw a stat that Ugo Monia actually put out on BT Sport the other week that in, what was it, in two years that Gusta was here, he used, what, 100, close to 120 players? Yeah, 116 players in such a short period of time. So there was never going to be a, a consistent relationship between between your 9 and 10, for example, or anyone. So um, that was a challenge in itself. Um, in terms of our, our, our run of form, I think... March is a huge month for us. I think I think we'll have enough to, to overcome Falcons away. We've then got Northampton at home and we went to their place earlier in the season and, and did a job on them when 
when we were still under Gustard and, and didn't have uh, too much consistency. And then March, we, we've got a couple of tough ones. We've got Exeter and Bristol, um, which will be a real test, obviously first and second at the minute. And we'll kind of have to, I think the boys will be well up for those games. It's our chance to prove that we are, we are what we are. Um, and in between that, I think we've got Gloucester as well, who obviously sat rock bottom. So that, that's one I would expect us to win. I'm just looking at those fixtures, mate. You're right. We've got Exeter and Bristol in the month of March, so that's going to be a huge benchmark of where we are and we are where we are in terms of the season. That's going to be that's going to be massive. But then also, you know, within that, like you say, we've we've got a struggling Gloucester. Um, we've got a team that we've already beaten um, in Northampton in, in that month as well. So, you know, two wins out of that, two wins out of those four, maybe maybe three if we're lucky. But yeah, there's no reason we can't keep going. I think. So, would you say top four is a realistic goal for you? I think it has to be. I think from where we are now, I mean, I, th- I think I think that's we'd be doing ourselves a disservice to aim anywhere else. Um, in a minimum top six, and from where from where we are now, you know, I can't imagine many Quinns fans would have been that sort of bullish about that a, month, a few months ago. Um, but no, I think I think it has to be. I mean, we've also we've also got now a Six Nations period as well for the next what three weeks after this one, where some of the best sides in the league will have players away. Um, we only at the minute are losing Scott Steele and James Lang to, to Scotland. But I think, yeah, you know, if we if we can get through that month of March with some tough games, I think top four has to be has to be on the cards. I think you used a good word there, bullish. And that's exactly how our players and, and coaches are coming across in interviews as well. We're, we're kind of a bit more bullish than, than what we have been previously. Um, and that Six Nations point's a good one as well. We're coming up against Exeter during that Six Nations window when they're losing a few players. I know they've still got the two Simmons brothers, but um, you look at Bristol as well. I think Semi Ranrada's is out injured for that game. I think he's out for a little while. They're obviously missing Ben Earl, Max Malin. So if there was ever a time to to get one over on them. It's, it's in the month of March, so exciting times. Great. Um, thanks a lot, guys. Um, I've kind of witted on for quite a long time now, and if you've made it this far, congratulations. Best of luck next weekend, and yeah, at some point we'll have to buy you a pint when you're back in the north, or when we're allowed to go to grounds again, and we'll see you in the northeast. Was about, we, almost, we almost say this every time somebody comes on, I was say, I said to Mike Bovill, I was staying out, so I'll buy you a pint in this pub, and I, I said, if we ever got Joe Marler on, I'd buy him a pint in this pub, I keep saying it, but no, boys, if you ever get down to Twickenham, or we ever make up for the northeast, we'll, uh, we'll have a pint, a pint of real ale, or a pint of Guinness somewhere in the Prince Albert, and uh, we'll catch up and talk some rugby, so mate, boys, it's been awesome to chat.